Welcome back to another episode of Interjections, fresh off a 1-0 win over Fiorentina and victory in the Supercopa. I'm your host, Andrew, Irfan, Miko, and Jay with me. Irfan, how you doing? Doing well, doing well. Anyone find out, anyone remember who got the assist in our goal? Um, just trying to remember, make sure everyone's well aware, but uh, I'm doing really well. <laughs> I believe the answer you're looking for is Azalani. Miko, how are you? Cool, cool, thanks. Looking forward to talk about this weekend, which was like very good result-wise. Jay, I know you've been having some car problems. Did Inter help alleviate the pain? They did. Um, I just wanted to start by saying congratulations to Juventus for winning the Scudetto. Um, I say that because there's 48 hours left in the Mercato and there's uh, zero uh, rumors whatsoever about us signing a forward. And I think that will be our downfall. So congratulations in advance. Uh, But we'll get there when we'll get there. I thought you were going to congratulate them for somehow managing to get rid of Moise Keane, who is easily one of the worst forwards in the league. And for some reason, Atletico decided they wanted to bring him in. Let's, we're, we're going to skip over the Supercopa, I think. We've expressed enough thoughts and feelings about that tournament. So let's dive straight into Fiorentina. Every excuse in the book was available for us to lose this game. You were missing two starting midfielders. Fiorentina had an extra five days rest. It was an away fixture. The team didn't play particularly well. Like just Juventus and Milan had both dropped points, putting the pressure, if you want to say pressure, on Inter to take advantage of the situation. Just like there was every reason alive why you would think Inter would screw up against Fiorentina. And despite playing not particularly well, they were able to overcome it and get all three points. So Miko, I want to start with you. How do you feel about yesterday? Mission accomplished, got the points, get out, or are you concerned about maybe the lack of quality of play? Definitely the first one. I think that the Fiorentina way fixture is always, always a tough one. It's not easy to play there. And, and we saw that yesterday as well. Uh, on top of that, that we had to, we had to play with uh, like one of our starting midfielders only, Mkhitaryan. So didn't make it any easier. But but we kind of we kind of won in a way. Juve usually plays, and th- this is what I <laughs> what I enjoy the most when we when it, when we get the points like this. Uh, even though we usually play much better, but but this time it wasn't like that. Even though I gotta say we could have scored like many many more goals, we we just we just managed to like somehow screw up those counter attacks time and time again. <laughs> not even starting with with Turam, Turam not being able to run straight forward, <laughs> and uh, and all those. Kind of like a 
poor decisions in, in the offensive zone, which could have led to a better better outcomes. But of course we can't we can't deny deny that Fiorentina pin us down to the <clears throat> to our penalty box quite a lot. Or at least at least in the second half it was a bit half it was a bit of a struggle for the team. And there was all kinds of incidents incidents in our box. But luckily we we managed to survive this one. Very very pleased with the with the result. The uh, a couple observations from the match, I guess. The first twenty minutes or so, Fiorentina had a lot of chances. Enzola scored one or two offside goals in this match, or just had clear cut chances and just couldn't seem to do anything right. But then there was a good stretch, and the commentator on my match mentioned from the thirtieth minute until about the seventy fifth minute, Fiorentina didn't have a shot on goal. So despite the fact that we couldn't really play out from the back and we were struggling with possession, we were actually doing a good job limiting their chances when you factor in kind of the offside shots. Jay, same question to you. Like, How concerned are you about the rough style of play and maybe some of the blatant misses we had in front of goal? McTarian had a bad one. Taram obviously fell down, as Miko mentioned. How concerned are you about that versus just happy to get out alive because for what it's worth we haven't had many games like this this season hmm. uh, good question I'm not convinced there's like an ongoing trend that we're in like a slump you know like last season we seem to have a stretch of three four five six games where we just couldn't score and kept losing and drawing this is obviously nowhere near as bad as that result wise uh but I do get what you're saying that we seem to be. I mean, what what game was that before Monza? And um, I think before the Monza game, we were talking about this how we just couldn't get any of our transitions right, and uh, we got the movements right for the first fifty percent, but then you know the final ball or like the uh, the correct decision was was missing repeatedly. So not too concerned uh but i guess it's just one of those things that happens when you're not 100 percent in sync yesterday as you guys mentioned we had some starters missing so that's one cause for not being 100 percent uh or functioning at 100 percent. and so certain things were just not working like even um the early chance we had where Turan played in carlos augusto he did everything correctly but there was, and this is going to sound really harsh, but that ball to Augusto needed to be perfect and it was just a tiny, you know, he needed to hit it with like 5% more power, you know what I'm saying, 10% more power so it reached Augusto further, uh, first rather, but, you know, he just underhit it by a tiny bit. Like these are the small margins that really make a break. If Taram stays on his feet, he gets one-on-one with the keeper instead of just falling over uh, in the middle of nowhere. Um and there's a few other things like Turan played a nice shot off to Fratesi who kind of shot it straight down the middle. Um, and obviously if Fratesi side foots that a little bit to the side, maybe he forces the keeper into a save or maybe he even gets the ball into the net. So these kinds of small margins are 
always frustrating when they don't come off, but not too worried, to be honest. Irfan, I want to get your thoughts on the midfield. You can drool over Aslani as you wish. In all seriousness, happy to hear your thoughts on him. Fratesi also is receiving a pretty hard time online for his performance. I think you saw a lot of what Fratesi is good at yesterday in terms of the direct runs and then maybe some of the technical limitations just in that he's not a metronome on the ball who you want helping build up from the back in the way like Hakan or even Barella is to an extent. So he was receiving a bit of a hard time online. So curious your thoughts on the two replacement midfielders. Yeah. Yeah. Good question. Um, I think, you know, overall I, I was generally pleased with Aslani's performance. The, uh, the, the corner kick in for the assist was good. It's something that they've been working on a lot to kind of, you know, have the corner come in um, at a fast pace, kind of in the front side of the box, in the near post and uh, it looks like it worked out, which was nice. Uh, great header by Lotaro. The midfield generally, honestly, I feel like my whole crusade for Aslani can kind of apply to Fertezzi also. Because the main complaint, I think, that I have with intra-fans and intra-fandom in general is that you know it, it's hard to, to simultaneously say that Fertezzi and Aslani aren't great and then also downplay how good Hakan and Barella are because I feel like yesterday you saw a great example of, you know, I, I think Aslani is good. He did a good job. I think Fratezzi is good. He did a good job. Obviously they both made some mistakes. Some positioning wasn't great. Some defensive help was lacking. Some build up play and passing was a little bit off. And you could see how limited they are compared to our starters. But I think that that's mainly a function of just how good our starters are. I feel like people underestimate, even interfans sometimes, just how good Barella and Hakan are. And we're so quick to criticize, but you know, Barella and Hakan are probably two of the best midfielders in the world, to be honest. Definitely two of the best midfielders in Serie A. And so replacing them in the system is always going to be tough. I think they both did an admirable job. I think the result kind of speaks for itself. It was a very gritty win. Like, I know Fiorentina for that you know, 55, 60 minute stretch might not have had any shots on goal, but they were giving us a handful. And, you know, I think the midfield could have done better. It wasn't as stable. It wasn't as uh, dominant as we expected. But really, yesterday's struggles, I think, came down to our defense. Um, the defense was kind of scattered all over the place. They gave Fiorentina way too many chances. They gave Fiorentina way too much uh, time near our goal. So I think that was a bigger problem. Um, but the one thing I'll also say is we had this conversation a few weeks ago, I think, about you know who's been our best player um, during this calendar year or last calendar year. One of the things I think no one mentioned because there's so many good candidates was DeMarco. And I'm starting to notice now that you know without DeMarco, we seem to struggle a little bit uh, in attack and in generating chances. And so you know, in addition to the two midfielders, I think we really did miss DeMarco. And that combination of DeMarco and Bastoni is, is something really special on that side that we missed again. Yeah, that's a good point. And we were talking about the players missing from this game. We, we hadn't hit on him yet, but I, I think the reason for him not starting yesterday was probably something to do with just, like, balance in the gameplay. And you had, you put two players who aren't particularly gifted defensively into the midfield, and I understand wanting to use... 
Augusto to maybe try and balance things out. The I'm curious if any of you have any thoughts on the penalty call, which VAR awarded Fiorentina, which Summer comes out, punches the ball. He clearly makes contact with the ball, but he also does this like superhero punch to the face of the attacking player, um, which is while leaping midair. It's, it was kind of comical, honestly. So there's like an old school line of thinking of like, if the keeper makes contact with the ball, he's immediately immune from like follow-up actions versus like the line of thinking of, okay, this was a reckless challenge. So curious if any of you have any thoughts on that slash, did any of you see someone on inter Twitter put together a compilation of Nico Gonzalez penalties and every single penalty he's ever taken for Fiorentina, he has hit exactly like that. So credit to Summer for doing some homework for the easy save. Yeah, that was that, that was funny compilation. I don't know is it that are there are those penalties all his penalties, but at least from this season, I understood that he, he's used that technique. And yeah, good, good job by the by the Summer and the coaching staff. Uh, as for the penalty call. Uh, <clears throat> I'm kind of on the fence. I have to admit, I don't like truly know the exact rules or how they should be interpreted. And I, I guess that, that that's that's down to the interpretation of the, of the rules how how that should be called. But I, I've seen even from like like some kind of a pundits in Italian medi- media, they've been like. Uh, back and forth, should it be a penalty or not? And uh, I ca- I kind of understand if that's called a penalty because the <laughs> the punch was pretty blatant. Even though Summer got the ball first, like clearly got the ball first. I don't know if the ref missed missed that that uh, that one that he. He definitely got the ball first, but in some in some video uh, going on in inter Twitter, they it shows clearly that he got the ball first. But I don't know. I saw I see saw a comment from Viviano. Maybe that's I don't remember. Is he like a former keeper of Inter? He commented that. It, it should definitely not be a penalty <laughs> because how, how can Summer cut the ball if not like that? But I don't know. I can. I would say that it's still a fair call because because the punch was pretty violent towards the attacker in the end. So uh, I don't know. I I can see there there can't be like a like a. He's he's immune to everything after he he touches the ball. I I don't think that's the way the rules should be read. read but see, I, yeah, I I kind of disagree. I, I I thought it was a horrible call, and for for one main reason, right? I feel like first of all, goalkeepers are special on the pitch. They have the ability to use their hands in the box that nobody else has the ability to do in any part of the field. Except and as a result, <laughs> yeah. Or uh, Stigger Larson. Um, but I feel like one of the things that comes with that is that 
the rules are, are going to have to be different. Like every player, when they're using their feet or when they're using, you know, some other part of their body on the pitch, they know the rules when it comes to follow through. They know the rules when it comes to control. But the rules for using your hands in the box uh, as a goalkeeper, I think, are, are pretty pretty broad. And honestly, on so many different types of plays, like crosses in or um, you know, corners, it's not uncommon for the goalkeeper to rush out, use his hands in a punch. A lot of times they miss. But if they didn't miss, if they actually touched the ball, and on the follow-through they hit somebody, I, I don't see how you can start calling that a penalty because by, by definition, they're always diving towards something to save something. And I, I just, I don't know. It, it seemed like a horrible, horrible rule to me. Like if, if he misses the ball, if he whiffs completely, I get it. But I kind of feel like as long as he got the ball and he laid his body out to get the ball, then I just don't see how you can call that a penalty. Jay, I'm also curious, maybe your thoughts on our goal. I saw a few people complaining that Lotaro maybe committed a foul on his route to get in the header. Don't know if you had any thoughts on that. I think that was super soft. Um, I don't think he has anything there whatsoever in the Lotaro goal. Parisi did pretty much the same thing literally on the uh, corner right before that uh, corner kick resulting in the goal as well. It was from the opposite side and he went down after like a routine coming together, like clutching his face. So I don't know why Fiorentina had Parisi marking Lautaro, but um, he was obviously looking to milk any contact. And I mean, yeah, Lautaro extended his hand, but like when you have a tussling together of players, you expect a certain degree of uh, shoving and light kind of jostling for position. And if one guy just decides to go down like he's been shot amidst that jostling, then, I mean, you can't really hold that much sympathy for them, especially when that jostling for position never really exceeds anything routine so as far as our goal goes uh yeah completely routine uh there was another incident that is seeing a bit of controversy which was a Fiorentina penalty shot when Bastoni and Cherby were kind of holding on to some players uh but that was like a classic just a classic microcosm of what you see in corner kicks when they uh highlighted what the interplayers were doing. You had three Fiorentina attackers, each holding, each with both of their hands on Acerbi, Damian, and Bastoni. And then you had Bastoni, Acerbi, and Damian, each with their two hands on on the respective attackers. So like you had three one-on-ones going on and it looked completely even. I don't believe the shoving or pushing was particularly egregious by our guys. And then the Fiorentina guys just happen to kind of run into each other and go down and start looking for a penalty. So I think the ref made the right call on both of those. Um, and regarding the penalty incident that they were awarded a penalty, I'm pretty ambivalent, to be honest. Um, I get both perspectives. Uh, obviously, someone did get the ball first. However, I do see the value of having some structure in play that holds a goalkeeper accountable for what they do with their body afterwards because otherwise you can maybe you know um i mean we've seen like goalkeepers uh 
sometimes leap for the ball, arms in the air, and they have like a knee up and like the, you know their leg ends up making contact with a with a an attacker. The most uh, memorable incident which comes to mind was back in the Champions League in like two thousand eight or something. Or you had the then Barcelona goalkeeper Victor Valdez just knee this guy from Copenhagen and Doya just like straight in the chin and like pretty much knocked him out cold. Uh, like that should have been a red card because it was that degree of dangerous. What Soma did was quite a bit more routine, but like I said, I, I do think there's value in having some kind of accountability for the goalkeepers, um, you know, trying to secure the ball in a safe manner and not uh, just hurtling full pelt into challenges with reckless abandon for uh, for the safety of other players. So at the risk of sounding like a wuss, um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of ambivalent on that one. As as for the uh, for the goal we scored, uh, I think uh, what Paris did uh, was like the he he tried to milk it for sure, and I think that's because over the huge huge drama about the Inter Inter Verona match when when there was this Bastoni Duda incident right right uh, before our goal the winning goal. And uh, it was all over the media after the match, and for the for many days, I think. And uh, I feel like players might want to try to test the referees a bit, that they try to like go down easily every time our players do something like that, just to just to see if the refs want to like want to like be extra careful in these kind of situations uh, when, when it's inter inter in these cases and uh, <clears throat> I think it was it was a correct call for sure not to not to invalidate the goal because there was nothing nothing out of ordinary normal challenging for the ball and and like Jay said if if the other other guy like stops fighting for the ball it surely looks like uh, other one is like being violent or something towards you if you ju- if you just stop doing anything and like so called uh you take the hit or or the contact and then just fall down so it, it will look look m- way much worse than it really is yeah both in any kind of like set piece or any um situation like that you've got a defender and an attacker and they're both, they're both, um, you know, essentially using their arms for leverage, trying to get that positional uh, leverage and just win uh, position, right? And there's so there's a contest there where they're both kind of like giving it to each other at like uh, you know to a within a certain threshold of acceptable contact. Uh, at no point in that game did I see any either party really exceed an acceptable level of contact, in my opinion. Um, to go back to that Bologna game where we drew, you could argue that Lautaro's contact, which gave away the penalty, did exceed the threshold because he kind of hooked his arm around the guy's waist and 
you know, looked like he kind of pulled the guy down to the ground. So that's, yeah, you can argue, fair enough, that's that amount of contact exceeds the acceptable threshold. But, you know, like we just said, the contact between Lataro and Parisi, and I mean like kind of going both ways, the contact Parisi was trying to, uh, you know, physically influence Lataro and get ahead of him and vice versa, Lataro trying to win uh, position ahead of Parisi. None of that was above that acceptable threshold, and then Parisi just went down. So you can't let him have that foul if you go if the play goes down. Uh, you know, at a um, after getting contact, which is minimal, which is not even uh, near the amount of acceptable contact that a referee allows. So, yeah, well done to the ref in that one, or in in those decisions. Yeah, I think one of the things I still have an issue with on the on the summer call is that you see a lot of times in the box where a goalkeeper will jump or a goalkeeper will be doing something and then they're they're kind of like hit. And a lot of times it's like a 50-50 ball. And so the the opposition player and the goalie have just as much right to go for the ball. And in 99.9% of those cases, in fact, I think probably close to 100% of those cases, um, the foul goes in favor of the goalkeeper against the other player. So th- there, there's clearly some kind of protection, some kind of protective rules around the goalie um, in situations where, like, you know, there's a 50-50 ball and, like, honestly, no player might make contact. And they don't usually get called a penalty. So in a situation where the goalkeeper's going out and he's trying to punch, which is within the normal range of the, the actions that a goalkeeper does, and he hits the ball first, but then on the follow-through, he hits the player. Like I, I still am having a lot of trouble with why that should be a penalty. Um, on the other calls, I agree. Lotaro, that was that was never going to be called a penalty. It never should have been. The fact that they were even replaying that over and over again was kind of irritating because it was just not like it was clearly a flop. Um, and then the other thing, I will say, like I'm glad they didn't call the Bastoni a Cherby penalty, but Bastoni really needs to cut the shit. I mean, there's a lot of times where he's kind of skating right by, right on that line of penalty, no penalty uh, on corners and in other things. And so, you know, he, there's only a matter of time be- before we play some team with some ref that's going to be sympathetic to that, like say next week, and he's going to get called for a penalty. So he's got to show a little bit more discipline, I think. Man of the match, anyone? <sighs> oh, man. I-, I feel like you have to go Summer, who, well... I know he gave up the penalty, but he also saved the match with the save, and I don't think anyone else had a particularly good enough game to warrant call-outs. Maybe if I were to pick someone else, I would probably go with DeVry, who I thought was pretty steady in the back. Or actually, you know what? You're, you're kidding, right? <laughs> I, thought, I thought DeVry, I thought DeVry got, got cooked. cooked. Yeah, actually, I, I want yes, to recant that statement. It's actually Pavard. That's the yeah. correct pick. Yeah, yeah. Pavard, I thought Pavard was quite good. I, I found it infuriating that within seconds of being booked, he got subbed off. I <laughs> I think that was coincidental. I think the sub was already ready to go. That's what I'm telling myself to kind of try and calm myself down. But uh, yeah, I, I think you've hit the nail on the head. It has to be probably Pavard slash Summer. You can give like an honorable mention to... Shit, I don't even know. Maybe Mikatane. Arnautovic for finally getting the ball in the back of the net. Arnautovic for getting kicked in the head. Um, I, I think Mikitarian <laughs> was pretty good. Yeah. I think 
he was his usual self, which which usually is pretty, pretty, pretty good. I knocked him down two pegs to that horrible finish. <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't think I don't think the Rye was as bad as as all the Inter fans are saying. Zola was was kind of dominating him, but like like the like the stat said Andrew mentioned, we still didn't or or he didn't like commit any major mistakes or, or mistakes which le- which led to scoring chances or anything. I remember. Yeah, when when a defender gives up two offside goals, you have to ask yourself: Was this astute defensive play, or is he lucky as all? You know, hell to get out of there without conceding. And uh, I, I don't know where I fall on yesterday's two offside attempts, but it, like, yeah, like your point, Miko, we weren't giving up shots on goal, which I think the back line gets credit for. Do you think there was this incident where um, Fiorentina played a long ball in uh, and Zola clearly kind of shoved their fry and then won the ball? Yeah, turned and then shot, and then luckily Pavard kind of blocked yeah. it, and the ball just bounced very uh, nicely to Soma. Um, had that gone in, do you reckon they would have varred and disallowed that for the for the for a foul I think on the yes. fry? I, I think yes. I, I think the push was pretty pretty blatant. It wasn't too handed, but it was like that. I mean, that was like a far more. Um, impactful kind of extension of the arm. I remember when at halftime, yeah. the, the commentators, not the commentators, like the, what do you call them, the panelists, the pundits, whatever. These guys were going into like this micro detail, pretty much defining what is an extension of the arm, what is like a shove of the arm, you know, and they were focusing on, you know, the the movement or the mechanics of, Lautaro's elbow movement uh, towards Parisi on the goal. And I'm like, fuck, man, way to overanalyze an absolutely nothing point. But by comparison, <laughs> I thought, you know, I was talking about that threshold of acceptable contact. I thought um, Anzola's kind of shove or extension of his arm against uh, Defray on that one was far, far, um, you know, closer to exceeding that threshold or, or did exceed that threshold more so than Lataro's, uh kind of fending off of Parisi on the corner. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. I think that's right. Yeah, usually if, if that kind of play happens in the midfield, they just call it every time. If there's like a like that kind of an aerial ball and, and then the other guy just pushes other guy to the back uh, and the guy falls down. I think they should. It it would have been a, a Warren and probably a disallowed goal. Yeah, you know one other thing though that's irritating me, and I hate to go keep going back to this point, but was it, it was it also struck me as really weird that you know on the on the summer penalty call, um, VAR intervened. They took a while. They they weren't de- decisive. They they told the ref to go take a look, and the ref literally as soon as he got there. Probably looking at like one frame gave the penalty. I, I I haven't seen that before. Usually if VAR doesn't decide and leaves it at the discretion of the ref, the ref like probably takes longer or takes just as much time as VAR did. Whereas this guy went over there, saw like, you know, one and a half seconds of some clip 
and just awarded the penalty decisively right then and there. That was really weird. I'm sure there's some recency bias in there, but has anyone seen VAR or has anyone seen an incident where a goal sorry, a ref makes a decision and then VAR says, Well, you want to take a second look? And then the ref upholds his decision. <laughs> has anyone seen that? Does that does that ever happen? No. As soon as they go to the monitor, it's a reversal pretty much every time. Yeah. I don't I don't yeah. like that. I don't like that to be honest, but whatever. I, I, I think that I think about what Irfan said. I, it's it's a good point because if he calls it first time that it's nothing, then what is he checking in the video and makes him like call it a penalty then? In a sense that he didn't he didn't saw the contact to the face uh, like the punch to the face or what what he didn't saw and then he concluded okay now okay this is a this is a foul now. It, that's interesting. Yeah, interesting pretty much part. Probably, probably didn't. Uh, I guess the difference between the VAR review and the initial decision was, yeah, I guess the weight of or the severity of the contact. In my opinion, that's all it can be. Um, yeah, it, it was pretty clear even in real time that there was a coming together of Sommer and Anzola, and, and yeah, like I said. Um, obviously when you look at it in slow motion or when you look at it close up, you can see uh, firstly where that contact was made. Uh, Sommer did hit Inzola in the face as opposed to like, you know, on the shoulders or whatever. Um, And it was forceful enough to be painful and forceful enough to be uh, considered a foul by the ref standard. So, yeah. Yeah. It was interesting to see that Sommer comments after the match it felt like he he expected it it to be not called because he got the ball first. So that that's really really this really interesting case how those or how how the rules are be, being like interpreted. Because I, I read some comments uh, from Twitter where those are what what they are, but that maybe maybe War didn't didn't provide like a footage which showed clearly that. That Summer got the ball first because there was like an argument after the call were made and that there's going to be a penalty. Summer was still arguing a lot with with the ref that that he he got the ball first and so on. So this really really interesting case. What what's the like the what's the verdict based on the war and what what was the arguments for that? If if they really missed the first contact or to the ball or something, what's the what's the case? But but yeah, maybe we can move on from this. Yeah, from this penalty yeah. call. Let let's use this as an opportunity to dive into the the derby. The uh, it might not be hyperbole hyperbole to say this is the biggest match of the season. One versus two. Of course, we springboarded Juve yesterday with the win to get back to the top of the table and it's just hard to imagine a scenario where the loser of this game can go forward and put together a Scudetto run just the way both teams are playing not dropping points it it feels like a loss could really end someone's season which maybe I just should maybe being optimistic as an Inter fan because we do have a great penchant for blowing things in unique ways but this is everything you could ask for in a football match. It's at home, one versus two. 
Of course, Juve dropped points against Empoli over the weekends. It's worth noting that Juve haven't been playing with Rabio or Chiesa for several weeks now. They're both expected back against Inter. Uh, I believe, was it Milik got a red card and will be suspended? So Juve really need Chiesa back or else they're going to be forced to start Yildiz against us. This is What's wrong with that? Yeah, I mean, fair enough. He's been playing really well for them. Honestly, he probably would have started him ahead of Milik against Empoli. I digress. The I don't I don't know what the best way to tackle this game is. Maybe I'll let Irfan start, but it, I don't know. This is truly for everything. And I guess what what approach do you want to see? Like, would you rather us sit back and try to Allegri Juventus in terms of inviting pressure forward, or do you try and get a goal early so they can't play the ridiculous like one nil shell that we almost fell into in the away leg? Because if you remember in the away leg, Juve got an early goal, and I think we all collectively thought the fixture was over because they just tend to not concede from those positions. So you know, being at home, how would you attack this thing? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're right. This is about as massive as it gets. Um it's it's basically for everything this season. It's um it's going to be just super intense, super cagey. Not going to be a lot of difference between the two teams. But I I honestly feel like the only way we can go in this is we have to come out on the front foot. We have to be super aggressive. We got to get that first goal way 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 too often. We are. We start the match against Juventus, like you know, mentally already accepting either a draw or a loss, and behaving that way. And them scoring first is like it's terrible because the way they play. Like I feel like if we have a chance to win this game, it's going to be because we score first, um, and we need to be on the front foot. And I think we need to be aggressive and we need to go out and get it. Um, we can't play like mental. You know, like mental midgets in this game, which way, way, way too often against Juventus we do. Um, and I know, you know, there's been matches where Juventus have been struggling and we've been doing really well. And for some reason, we concede the mental advantage to, to Juventus. And so I want to see like supreme confidence. I want to see like a, a professional, methodical approach. Um, and I want us to just kind of play our game. I mean, we should be playing with all our starters. And you know, with the week's rest, there's really no excuse for us not to go out on the front foot, be aggressive, and kind of take this match and then take the season. The part I maybe struggle with whenever you play Juventus is just they do an excellent job not letting the you ref? play that. Or no. Sato, Gianluca Rocchi, Tali Juventus. No, I was just going to say, like, they do such a good job of not letting you play football, right? Like, I remember in the first, like, there was just a good, especially in the second half, where just we, we weren't playing our game. They, they take away, Allegri is great at taking away what you do best. Like, I always remember when Spalletti was here and we played everything through the wings. Allegri did such a good job making sure we couldn't play through the wings, made us play centrally, and as a result, we could never do anything against them. What do you think? How do we prevent that from happening? I guess is my question. Um, it's a hard one. Uh, you know, like you said, this is the biggest match of the season. 
one versus two, good versus evil, light versus dark, chocolate versus vanilla. Um, it's <laughs> but at the same time, robbers versus thieves. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, uh, Pepsi versus cola. Um, um, I, I'm going to disagree a little bit though with saying that this is like the season definer. I still think the margins are too are too slim to be considered like um, a fatal blow or like a you know the, the winning kind of chess move, if you will, one way or the other. Um, even if we win this, we're only plus four with a game in hand. I'm not counting the game in hand for shit uh, for historical reasons. Um, yeah, we've learned that lesson the hard way. Yeah, I know, right? Um, and maybe there's too much of the lived inter-experienced, which is why I'm like this. But yeah, I, I just don't see the lead that we have now or even following a lead to be secure. You know, I've always said, I do not trust this team if they were five nil up against seven men, you know what I mean? With three minutes remaining, I still wouldn't trust this fucking team from what I've seen over a life of, of, of horror being an inter supporter. So, um, yeah, so four points with what, like 19 or 18 games remaining is, is nothing really is nothing. Like we have one blip. Lataro gets injured for like, three games we drop a couple of shitty points on the road to like the genoas and you know the bolognas of the world and then and juventus happened to win three games by you know some three dog shit wins one nil with goals coming from danilo and getty in like the 85th minute then the next thing you know we're second we're trailing by two points so like i don't take it for granted it's the same reason, like, I refuse to dismiss milan i'm not saying that they're going to win i don't think that they have it in them to win the scudetto this year but uh, you know, people are acting like Milan are in seventh place. They're, they're third by quite a margin as well. So I don't think, um, yeah, I, I just don't think either team is worth dismissing right now. Um, okay, but you are a pessimist. So I will ask, if we lose this game, do you still yeah. think we can win the Scudetto? I was just going yes, there. Yes. He's not going to extend the same. Are no, you? no, wow. I, I will, I will, because like I said, it's, um, actually, let me, let me say this. If, if we lost the game or if a team in our position lost this game, it would be hypothetically plausible for that team to still win the Scudetto. But knowing that that team is us, the answer is probably no. Um, How's that for balanced? I uh, I think you have some serious issues, but okay. I I do. I do. But um, now look, all jokes aside, I don't think this game is conclusive for either team one way or the other. Uh, Inter win or lose, Juventus win or lose, draw, whatever. I don't think this matchup determines who's going to win the Scudetto. Um, to go back to the original question of how we should approach this or how do we deal with Allegri's, you know, if, if Allegri was one of the was one of the X Men, he'd be like one of these gross, shitty X Men who don't have any powers, but whose power is to suck opponents' powers. You know what I mean? Um, and yeah, as you said, he just uses your own uh, kind of shortcomings or your own playing style so well against you to kind of trap you into not being able to play the way you want. And how do we negate that? We could sit deep and we could counter. 
it would depend on us getting our transitions right, which, as we discussed right at the beginning of the episode, has been a little bit iffy uh, in recent games. We got it right against Monza, which is why we blew them apart 5-1. But other than that, yeah, our transitions have been not as kind of on sync. There's been a lot of, like I said, final balls, not, not, um, just not delivered correctly. A lot of decision-making that's been poor in the final third, whether it's like, um, you know, yesterday there were two incidents really close to one another where Fratesi and then Mkhitaryan both had like the overlap on the left and all they needed to do was pass it, but instead they tried to triple it and just ran into the Fiorentina defender, you know, um, small things like this. Uh, if we get them right, then we should be in a really good spot to hit Juventus. But if we don't get them right, it's going to be a really, really long night. So I think given we're at home, we should try to start on the front foot and we should try to keep the ball, pass it around, get Barella and DiMarco and Mkhitaryan on the ball and see if we can create some overlaps for some uh, crosses into the box from the left, especially. I'm thinking of that first goal we scored against Lazio in the Super Coppa semi-final, where there was some, you know, interchange between uh, Bastoni and Demarco on the left on the left flank, and then the ball eventually came to Turam, who scored. Things like that. Um, to, in order to do that, we need to have the ball, and we need to have them. We need to have it high up the pitch. Uh, so I would go on a limb, or sorry, go out on a limb to say that I want to see us take the game to Juventus uh, early, especially. But I want to see us have the kind of maturity, the awareness, and the kind of tex- tactical flexibility to be able to adapt as well. I one of one of my kind of main pain points with Inzaghi over the over the time he's been here has been somewhat of an inability to adapt to how the game's unfolding in real time. Um, I mean, it's a common complaint among Inter fans that his substitutions are routinely 5, 10, 15 minutes too late. Um, But more so, there are times when it feels like the pace of the game has slowed and that we should kind of hold the ball a bit more and just slowly pass it out, slowly kind of inch forward as a team and then kind of establish our formation in a more forward zone or to occupy a more forward space. And instead we just go for these really fast and loose plays out the back with, you know, um, Damien goes back to Sommer who goes down to Bastoni and Bastoni do a little giving, Bastoni does a little, you know, uh, give and go with DeMarco and they play this long ball down the flank to, to the wide runner. But, you know, um, Lataro's, or even Taram, they're not like tremendously fast players, so they might not get the ball. And then Juventus attack again, and we just do the same routine of trying to like go long or, or play this one-touch vertical football, which doesn't always work out. So, yeah, just having the wherewithal to be able to balance the possession style of play that we have, the slow build-up style of play that we have to, um, with, uh, you know, the kind of more rapid transitional play that we have, I think is key. So if we can find a good balance, that would be brilliant. And I think that would go a long way to securing us a good result. I, I like to comment on, on the 
uh, standings wise, I think <clears throat> if we win this match, of course the Scudetto is not like sealed after that, but our odds will like uh, they will jump rocket tremendously if we have like a four point lead with a game in hand, uh, and not only. We had a like we had you... a four or seven point lead when we lost the Scudetto to Milan. Ah, we, we don't need to yeah. talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'll stop. But but like we saw, Juve can even drop points against Empoli at home. So like, it's it's still their their thing to like play some amazing spring season if they if they want to catch us at that point if we want if we win this match so uh if we if we lose this then it it means that juve is they have a really good chance winning the scudetto but it's still wide open in my opinion because we have this game in hand the game in hand is not some really hard fixture in some atalanta yeah, it's Atalanta, but it's home. Uh, I think the odds for us winning that is that's. Uh, I would call it's it's a it's a good chance we win that match, even though we've been better in away matches. But I think ha- having this game in hand to be a home match, it has the effect of not having to like travel and and shit like that. We we're at home, so. It's easy and it's easier uh, already that way. And if it's a draw, then it's it's like a wide open and it stays stays like th- this uh, really tight race. But but I feel like the the win would really really put us uh, at the front seat by 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 large large margin. <clears throat> uh, then, if I want to comment, uh, comment the actual match and how how it should go or or how how should we pro- uh, like approach it? Uh, yeah, I agree with you guys that we should like uh, give it a go right from the start and not not approach it like we did the away match, which was like very very risk free, not. Not risking anything, and still, still, this one mistake cost us the uh, conceding the goal. Uh, <clears throat> so, so I would say that bring it on and and attack uh, in a smart way, like 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 we usually play. We we don't. I don't think we risk too much uh, in a, in any match, but maybe maybe we need to pay a r- little more attention to to the counters because uh someone like Vlahovic he's he's on fire at this moment even though I, I don't know how many of his goals have been actually actually some counter goals or or have they been more like set piece goals at, at least the Empoli match uh in Empoli match the, the goal was from a set piece or or from some cross uh but, but yeah, they they don't have like a their forwards. They have they have now Vlahovic and I don't know will, will this 
Turkish super kid will start the match because I think Kiesa is still not ready. ready he's supposed to, to be back for the match, but we don't know if he's going to start or not. Okay. I doubt he's going to start if he's been out for an extended period already. Yeah, that's a good point. Then, yeah, then, then it's Milik out and uh, Moise Ken is, is getting like loaned out. I don't know, maybe because this Yildiz is, is uh, taking his spot, but but now right right before this match it, it doesn't look good for Allegri in a sense that uh, he has all, only only three forwards and one of one of them is is like back from a injury. To be fair, we only have two forwards. <laughs> yeah, but they are they are good enough. They are good enough. <laughs> They, they've been better oh, yeah, since no, no. Si, since the uh, Super Cup. Uh, Alexis was a bit better there, and and they they weren't like horrible yesterday. They they did their job. So, it's too small a sample size, man. Um, yeah, yeah, that's that's true. But I'm, I'm pleased. Think the Lamborghinis back. I'm pleased I'm to update everyone that we actually have the, the transfer window actually closes later than I thought it did. Apparently, it closes at seven p.m. GMT. Uh, on it's the first of February, uh, yeah, it doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah, it's on Thursday. <laughs> oh, so, so that gives us, yeah. so that gives us uh, even more time to to sign a forward, which I'm uh, uh, no doubt Marotta is currently working hard towards. <laughs> guys, right, right, guys, guys. Uh, We're still trying to get the Sensi paperwork finalized because this deal has been pending for about three weeks. Yeah, yeah, but that, uh, I think they they waited for this. For this uh, this match, this Fiorentina match, because he was called up and he was on the bench, and they they didn't want to lose him before this match. Yeah, couldn't risk of... losing our boy Sensi, who is just too valuable of a contributor. Yeah, well, the... I do, know, do you... I know, I'm just teasing. <laughs> yeah, you uh, can but... put, you can't like sub in class and in a match like that. I don't, I don't know if you can sub in Sensi in a match like that. Yeah, well, yeah, that yeah. I don't want to drag the talk. Oh, sorry, going yeah, oh, I was going to say, Andrew, what do you think about the, the Juventus match? I mean, I think the the biggest concern I have is that, you know, Inzaghi being Inzaghi is going to come out and tell the boys to kind of settle down for the first half and make sure we don't get, you know, we don't get, uh, you know, sucker punched in some way and play, you know, play a very rigid kind of cagey first half just to see and absorb all the pressure. Um, and then I, I just worry that he's going to be in the uh, make sure we don't lose this match. A draw is fine for us versus go out and get a win and take the match. Maybe because we're at home, it'll be different. But I don't know. What do you think, Andrew, about our chances? Uh, I have to try and remove the emotional baggage associated with this fixture for me. Just for the past 12 years, we've been so unsuccessful winning this game that it, it I'm really trying to overlook the past results and focus on this actual matchup. And I, I really do think this matchup favors us in a lot of ways. I think we're the better defensive side. I think we've got the more potent attack. Like I, I think there's a clear path to winning this game and it probably runs through DeMarco's flank and I could easily see a scenario where we win this game 2-0 on the back of a good defensive performance combined with you know some good individual link-up play. 
I'm just really struggling with just how much success Allegri has had against us and how generally poor he has made us look. Yeah, I'm optimistic about this. Like, I, I really think we can get the job done here. If I if I had to lay out a path for a loss, like how do we lose points in this game? I think it's going to be... Like Quadrado on goal. <laughs> thankfully unavailable now. Uh, I, I think it's you let Juventus score early, you let them go into the shell, and you struggle to break them down. The broadcast yesterday showed a crazy stat that we haven't conceded a goal in the last like 15 minutes of a fixture all season. So I like to think that if we get a lead, we're going to be able to defend it. We're going to be able to hold on to it. So uh, using that logic, my my biggest concern is if we let Juve score early. And being at home, I think we need to, to answer my earlier question I was posing to you guys. I really think we need to come out aggressive and headhunting earlier and trying to impose ourselves in the game, make Juve pin them back, make them sit deep for the first 10, 15, 20 minutes if you can. And if you're able to do that, you can maybe put this game away early. Two we, we've yeah, got quick roots really yeah. quickly. Two things. Yeah, I think go got to give credit to Inzaghi for kind of lifting. I mean, on one hand, it's, it's such a conundrum, isn't it? On one hand, he, he can be so cowardly and conservative with his, with the way he, uh, I don't know, weirdly prioritized like the Coppa Italia over the Champions League. And, uh, uh, which did not work his, out. Exactly, which completely backfired. Um, his subs and all this kind of stuff. Uh, at the same time, we've, I feel like we've mentally just been more up for big games. Like you see it in the Champions League, obviously last season, we played up to Man City and the players themselves spoke about how you know, that gave them confidence that they show that they belong at this level, that they can compete with these like elite of the elite teams and and go punch for punch with them. Um, and so I'm less worried uh, for this game that we'll have like some Spalletti type just mental collapse where we'll look like, you know, just awed and give Juventus way too much respect, like we're scared of them kind of thing. Um, so that's a load off my mind. Uh, the other thing I was going to say is we need to put away our chances. We've been way too profligate in front of goal recently. Um, I mean, yesterday, a prime example, like I said, there was that uh, Taram cross to Augusto where he needs to get that ball right. You know, even getting the ball 80%, 90% right is not enough. You need to get that ball perfect so Augusto can score. That's the difference. Likewise, um, even against Lazio in the Supercoppa, how many times do we hit the post from chances that, uh, you know, I said I said the game against Fiorentina, we should have we won 3-0. The game against Lazio, we should have won fucking 5-0, you know. Um, so given the quality of chances that we're creating, we're creating chances that have, you know, I, don't, I don't like talking in these terms, but we're creating high XG chances, you know, chances that are, that should have a really high, uh, conversion chance, and yet I don't think we're really converting them at that higher rate, which is really my only concern. Um, if we can just be more ruthless and make sure we get the balls correct and actually put them away instead of just, you know, creating chance after chance after chance and just, you know, 
Mkhitaryan as like a ball drops to Mkhitaryan somewhere in the box and then he skies it, you know, or like just like Barella kind of plays in a nice low ball for Taran, but then he's, you know, he air swings and just completely misses the ball or whatever. Like, or he falls down during a fast break. Exactly. Like these are the things that will, I think have a enormous factor on how the game goes when you play against a team like Juventus. And it's also like a mental thing as well. When the stakes are this high, when you play against an opponent of this, I almost don't want to say of this caliber because I truly believe this is the worst Juventus side um, in terms of personnel in, in years. But nevertheless, when you play against a rival that you have such animosity with, taking your chances is a sign of dominant. a sign of dominance if there ever was one. So, you know, being being proactive and forward thinking and playing in an attacking brave manner is all well and good, but it means jack shit unless you actually put the ball into the net, you know? So otherwise it becomes typical, like the typical kind of narrative of a lot of fan banter over the past years where it's like inter fans are left with nothing but excuses. Oh, we hit the post three times. Oh, you know, uh, there was a controversial penalty given. Oh, you know, Juventus, uh, should have had a goal disallowed because this guy caused a foul in the build-up. It's always been excuses and, you know, crying about the refs is what the narrative towards interfans has been. You know, you can avoid, you can eliminate all that if you simply score your chances. So let's, you know, uh, I don't want to see Latara needing five chances to score uh, a goal. And yeah, if we if we can get the chances in early, I think we've got a really, really good chance to to win the game. Can can you argue like we're the team with more pedigree at this point? Like when you look at this Juve roster, their old guard's gone. Most of these guys have not won a scudetto with them. I don't know. Like we, we might have the quote unquote champions in the squad that they have had in years past. Maybe there's like a psychological advantage there. Not like Chiellini and Benucci are gone. You know what I mean? How many players in our team have won the scudetto? Though they're all gone as well from the, from Conte's team. We've only got the. Lotaro, Barella, DeVry. Yeah, that's it. Bastoni. That's no, Bastoni. That, that's literally it, though. Um, obviously, Lukaku. Oh, San- Sanchez. <laughs> Sanchez is still <laughs> Sanchez, yes. Darmian. Oh, Darmian, too. Good point. Like, yeah, like the, the point I guess I'm trying to make is, like, this team, like, they made a Champions League final and they played well. Yeah. A, a good core of it has won a Scudetto. You can't say that about Tavlahovic or McKenney or Gatti or Bremer. Like none of those guys have really won a trophy that matters with Juventus. So may- maybe we have like the experience and the know-how to advantage here. Well, you'd hope so. That's that's again kind of like this is the exact kind of thing I'm going to be ranting about if we don't win. Like we are in a better place than them. We play objectively better football than them, if you can be objective about such things. Um, you know, it's a shame about the about the current circumstances being so narrow because normally when a team has such a enormous goal differential, 50 goals scored in 21 games, 10 goals conceded, when you have stats like that, you're normally leading the the league by 10 points but it's kind of it's kind of to their credit and also incredibly annoying that Juventus are only a couple of points behind us to one point right now despite doing like the bare minimum in a way um they've recently kind of inflated their 
goal scoring with a handful of big wins against some shit teams, but like, you know, everyone knows they don't score that much. Uh, and obviously the big factor is that they don't concede much either, but where I think, as you said, a more established team in some ways, and we've got more pedigree in that we've gone quite far in Europe recently. We've done well in Europe. We've got that reassurance, that pedigree that comes with the prestige that comes with representing yourselves well on a continental stage. And so we should, yeah, you're absolutely right. We should be displaying these things against Juventus, but this is where the mental side of it comes in. Like I said, I'm more relaxed that we have in Zagi these days and that the the mental side of the game seems to have improved under him, especially for the big games, especially for like, uh, you know, the continental stage. But I, I still want more and more reassurance that this mental kind of growth, that this leap is is permanent. It's not a flash in the pan. Yeah, th- yeah. I think I think the only way way to like prove prove this difference is, is to win this match, and <laughs> there's no no exactly. escaping exactly. that. Yeah, there's just no... fucking win, just win. Yeah, no way. But I, I want to comment about the uh, the tight tight situation with the points in the standings. That we need to remember that you uh, were they have done like the bare minimum to just be there in their current uh, or, or, or in the standings like right behind us. But they they have the like the ch- child's schedule while we we are in the adult adult schedule. They have to <laughs> they, yeah. they don't play in the Champions League. They don't have the Supercoppa. We, we have we played like eight more matches compared to them so far. Yeah. So it, it's possible that that will that will that will play in our favor now in the spring. Of course, if we if we win or go to the quarterfinals in against Atletico, then it's yet another two games for us. So it's not gonna get easier. But but they they have the Coppa Italia semifinals uh, a bit later, which I think uh, favors them in a sense that they have only only the league games now in the pretty easy schedule now in the in the winter and early early spring. Yeah, they don't have anything so, until April. Their first yeah. Coppa Italia semifinal is in the first week of April. So that's a solid month. Uh, sorry, solid two months so they can just focus entirely on the league. Yeah, so that that's like a favorable for them. But but if if we go out against Atletico, we can talk about that later when when it's more urgent. But if you go out against them, then it's uh, pretty like a a, a bit more leveled, leveled in terms of of the schedule, I think. Then, yeah. then, then, then it's like full focus on Scudetto and nothing else. That there's not literally nothing else for us anymore. But, but uh, I wanted to comment on this match that uh, this was one idea, and I, I remember maybe I, I I read about this as well right after the Fiorentina match that that if you guys noticed. That Italiano played a bit, uh, not not uh, not usual, usual for his game, where the where these long balls, it, like, like, not a usual at all at all for him was this this long ball game. They just they just uh, 
truth is long balls all over the place all the time in my opinion <laughs> that that at least that that was was the like the that was the feeling i i remember from the match that it was all the time long balls to anzola and and i don't know was there anyone else up top i think it, it was mostly anzola and and i was thinking maybe allegri took some notes from that and maybe they try to play the similar way against us and use Vlahovic there. He's he's a good good strong target man as well. But maybe the difference is is that um, Allegri could be a bit more bit more risk free that uh, he won't bring as many players forward to help help Vlahovic. So I don't know. Would that work in the same way? But maybe it could work if he, if he was more active. But yeah. I guess I guess that's not gonna happen. So it's gonna yeah. be interesting to see what what you will do in this match. Will they, they like try. sit? Yeah, will they like sit back right from the start and we we go forward right from the start? Or how how it's gonna be the balance? Yeah, if they if they try that, I'm hoping if we're starting a Cherby, he'll be able to deal with it better than Defry did. Cherby, I feel like it's pretty good at dealing with that sort of stuff, and he's good at, like, handling um, Vlahovic pretty well. Um, so let's see. I, I, I'm optimistic that they'll be ready for whatever Juventus throws at them. What I just want to see is I just want to see us on the front foot. I, I want to see, like, the the 2010 against Barcelona and last year against Milan in the Champions League. I want us to just assert ourselves from the very beginning and not to play scared. We're at home. I don't think we need to be worried about like leaving, um, being exposed at the back. We need to trust ourselves to get it done, and if we do that, I think we'll be in good shape. Yeah, I think it makes a difference if you are at home or away in terms of like the confidence. If if the seventy thousand people are are rooting for you, it, it might be a bit easier to play and uh, special play play this attacking football we are we are playing so yeah let's let's hope we do we don't do what what we did uh in torino last last autumn when it was very well not scared but very very risk risk free and 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 no uh nothing to be given to juve and and still we will will give will give them the goal goal but uh i i could see this being uh a match where where like single mistakes might might cost cost it or if something goes wrong it's about like single mistakes because our our game is so it's so organized and they they know exactly how to play so that i don't think there's there's holes in our game in general it's only about like individuals, individual players executing the tasks they've been given. I think that's the that's the issue. If there's gonna be an issue, yeah, I agree. And if anything, hopefully we'll always have that Hakan penalty to rely on. Yeah, yeah, that's the <laughs> that's the. Well, let's get some predictions. I've got to wrap this thing up on my ends. Uh, Miko, go ahead. Um, hmm. 
Oh, it's gonna be uh, uh, of course I I need to be optimistic. So I'm gonna predict that we we're gonna score a goal in the for, first half and then then another one in the second half. So it's gonna be it's gonna be two zero home win. I like we can't do anything after we scored the goal. It, it's gonna be a struggle for them and we we're gonna be compact and we missed chances in the second half and then then we finally get the get the second goal and it's over for them then who scores mm, well Lauter will get will get one goal and uh, I'm gonna give one to I'm gonna give one to Parel all right very symbolic of the Scudetto winning win over Juve Jay, what do you got? 1-1, one, one, La Torre miss a penalty. Uh, I'm being too predictable <laughs> here. Um, I was going to say 2-0 as well, uh, but I can see like a 2-1 where we score two goals and then Juventus get a late goal and then it becomes extremely fucking, you know, heart attack football for the last 20 minutes of the game. Kind of like the Fiorentina game, to be honest. So, um, 2-1, uh, maybe... Two one or two nil. Um, I think Turam is due a goal, um, and I think yeah, I do think a midfielder is due a goal too. Uh, maybe Mikatarian doesn't score much, but has scored some big goals in the past. So let's go two one Turam and Mikatarian, and for Juventus, I'll say um, I don't know. Yildiz. Vlahovic. <laughs> uh, Irfan? Yeah, I'm also going 2-1. Uh, I think we'll score early with Lotaro. I think they'll pull one back. I'm going to give it to Bremer off of like a corner or something dumb like that. Uh, and then we'll struggle for a while. And then I'm going to go with uh, Aslani scoring the winner, following up his great assist with a goal. <laughs> and leading us to a win, uh, no, but I, I, I'll go. I'll go two one. I'll say we'll get a late winner to make it super dramatic uh, after a one one draw for a long time. And I'm going to give the goal to Fratezzi. Um, so we'll see. We'll see his booty shorts again um, <laughs> w- with a big win. Wow, three inter win predictions. I have to follow this up. Uh, I'm predicting a win too. I just. Oof. I feel like there's – I feel like when I look at this from a football perspective and I take away demons from my past about our previous performances against Juventus, it's so hard to pick against us because we just keep finding ways to win. And frankly, most of our wins are convincing wins at that. It's not of the Fiorentina style. So when I start making reasons we're going to lose this game or drop points in this game, they all come back to – things of the past, whether it be refereeing decisions in favor of Juventus or just their ability to seemingly pull something out of nothing. But I I, I think we're going to win this game. I'm going 1-0 with a goal from DeMarco. The, the defense has been playing well enough. I just hope the back line is Pavar, Acerbi, Bastoni, 
And I hope we don't get a scenario where we're trying to defend the lead. We put on DeVry, we kick a cherub out wide, and we sub off the Stoney. As you all know, that is my least favorite substitution. But yeah, I'm, I'm going 1-0. Hopefully all four of us predicting an inter-victory is not the kiss of death. It's... Uh, I, I want to comment on what Irvin said about uh, Bremer scoring a, from a corner. That's a great pick, I think. I <laughs> I think the set pieces is, uh, of course, one another another like a case where Juve can threaten us like 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 normally in in matches when there's the the bigger one and the smaller one and this one th- this case I think the Juve is clearly a smaller one in terms of football so so the set pieces become become like a bigger bigger factor. Uh, for the smaller for smaller teams game and and Juve is is definitely a, a force in set pieces so and and at the same time I don't think well okay maybe this is a bit biased in a sense that I feel that we are not that good in set pieces but probably that's not true but that's just a feeling well, that not? we don't we don't score that many headers from, from uh, yeah but the, i'm i'm talking about like uh like in def- yeah defensively oh, right, right. like uh, i think i think we are <laughs> like uh the feeling is that we we are like a bit big iffy a bit iffy with the set pieces time to time against certain opponents i agree like i, I remember that you know match and and uh, in this Fiorentina match, it wasn't like too easy either. Lots yeah, of yeah. Every different... time the ball went into Anzola, I didn't feel like we were like I didn't trust Devry was you know convincingly winning those headers. Yeah, and and all the like the case with Bastoni and, and the possible penalty call and, and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, I'm not like I'm not super confident, but. But uh, maybe that's just some kind of a illusion. Hopefully, hopefully we manage it well. I just want to say it's fitting, yet depressing that this episode should have included some Mercato talk because there's 54 hours left to the Mercato, but we've spent about 30 seconds on it because everyone knows there's no further action that's going to be taken. Um, but if we can just wrap up with one minute on that. I mean, how do you justify not buying anyone? Like, I mean, despite the 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 good notes that we're ending on here, like, is no one else worried? Like, we're losing two midfielders, Agume and Sensi. We're not bringing in any midfielders, which just numerically is ridiculous. And then we seem determined to just proceed with these two strikers, which is equally unacceptable to me. So I don't want to dampen the mood, but uh, that, that, that Mercato is potentially it has, it has infamy potential to me yeah it's 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 a bit interesting that do we really go go with that like doing absolutely nothing and, and Buchanan, Buchanan we, yeah. we blew our entire Mercato yeah. budget on like a fourth choice right wing back even if he's assigning for the future it's just so not a priority right now it might have been a priority when Don Fries and stuff was injured, but apparently he's back uh, and is obviously going to get, you know, he's not going to, oh, sorry, Buchanan's not going to play over Don Fries. So it's a bit of a puzzling one. And yeah, like, look, if even if, I think we all agree there's a bit of an issue with quality in terms of our 
reserves, um, you know, like if if Klaassen can't be trusted to play five minutes, then why do we sign him to begin with, you know? Um, but so there's an issue with quality there, questionable quality over like the likes of Klaassen, Sancia, Gume, uh, Onanovic, Sanchez. But if nothing else, there's at least quantity. Now we're removing quantity as well by getting rid of, like I said, Sensi and Agume. That's minus two midfielders and, and no midfielders in. That just... Yeah, Agume and Sensi, they are gone, but they haven't like played a lot. So it it doesn't like maybe affect that much. But then again, like you mentioned, uh, Klaassen hasn't played much and I think he should play more or someone should play more because... Our, our midfielders cannot starting midfielders cannot probably cannot keep playing all the time like they've done so far or most of the time we don't have a, uh, especially if you, if you go go to the quarterfinals in Champions League it's it's gonna be a bit tricky so yeah. so <laughs> I kind of agree that it's it's a bit strange. There's there's nothing going on, but uh, I'm a, I'm a, like secretly hopeful. There's some <laughs> sudden Colpo di Mercato coming. Cool. Uh, no, but, yeah. you, who are you? Who do you think is our mystery signing? Caicedo <laughs> uh, is that still an option? <laughs> well, well, di- uh, different different name, but same nationality. Luis Muriel, maybe. Oh yeah, I'd, I'd I mean, I would it. take that. I'd take yeah. it in a heartbeat. Uh, I don't yeah, take I, any functional forward and midfielder, but I just like I said, I don't, I don't see how it's even like fathomable. From I don't see how someone as smart as Morata looks at this striker situation and goes, "Yeah, that's fine." I, I just don't see that, especially given he knows better than anyone else what's on the line right now. We spent all the episode talking about what's on the line with this big match against Juventus, but yeah, to, to jeopardize that by not even signing anyone is I think really, really risky. And again, like I said, I just keep pointing to the midfield as well. Klaassen is not usable apparently. So that means we have five midfielders for six positions. How do you, how do you, how do you compete across two fronts for that? What if Mkhitaryan gets injured? What if, you know, Chalanola or Lautaro get injured for like a month? Yeah, uh, well, in a sense, if Lauder gets injured, we we can like fix that in this Mercado anyway. Yeah, true. Uh, maybe the same case with with Chalhanoglu, but but uh, like lower the risk of of injuries and and just getting too exhausted. Uh, maybe some kind of a viable option to the midfielder attack could be. Could be a case because Lauter seems to just he just starts every match, and it might might start uh, like we might see that at some point. I don't know. Like like yesterday, uh, to me it looked like he he was playing and he he was like he wasn't well. He was he was sick. He was coughing before the kick off and and. Uh, I saw that he, he was wasn't sick. running. He wasn't running like like he like he usually does. He looked exhausted so, towards the end. Yeah, and, um, yeah, you're right. He had like his he's kind of covering his mouth with his jersey. He was coughing 
Like, yeah, it's not, it's not a good sign right before Juventus. But oh, fine. Yeah, hopefully, final thoughts on the final thoughts on the Mercator. Yeah, for some reason, I'm feeling kind of optimistic about Arnautovic. I know it's very foolish, oh. but I feel, <laughs> I feel like we'll be okay. Um, but I don't expect any signings, and I just hope we don't regret it. Yeah, there's. I know that there's some unresolved trauma for you um, with the whole Caicedo thing. And I know that you were pointing out parallels between this Mercato and uh, the Mercato of the January Mercato of two seasons ago when we needed to reinforce to secure the title. Uh, we did not and thusly failed to secure the title. So, yeah, let's hope we don't. I mean, yeah. even if we don't, commit the same thing. Trying to send me into a dark place. Trying to send me into a dark place, man. Um, but yeah, there, there are a lot of similarities, right? But yeah, I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping, I'm hoping, starting with this weekend, we'll kind of stamp our stamp our approval, stamp our authority on all this, and um, live not to regret it like we did last time. But again, last time against Milan two years ago, we needed some help. <laughs> all we did was ship out Sensi, which we're trying to do now again. <laughs> It's very clear we need some forward help. There's an overachieving team that's, you know, nipping at our heels that is not nearly as good as us. So, yeah, very very similar, but hoping for, you know, history not repeating itself this time around. Agreed. Um, that de- the depressing Mercato talk caused Andrew to drop off, so I'll wrap it up. Um, let's win this fucking derby, guys. Uh and that's it from us. Thanks for listening to Interjections. See you guys later. Yep. Thanks. Yep. See y'all. Thanks. Bye.